I've decided today in this um, meditation, it's now going to be a full-blown sermon, to read with you from Isaiah chapter 61. The prophecy as it's known, or the book of Isaiah, was written probably by a couple of different authors. At a particular time of brokenness, when the city of Jerusalem was destroyed, uh, through the pain of war, through the pain of the death and destruction that comes through war. And then there was the exile. The people of Israel, Judah, were in exile and didn't know if they would come home again. And then also, of course, in the overwhelm of guilt and of shame, both personal, my own personal failings, but also we as a community that didn't live out the mission that God called us to when he brought us to the land of Canaan. And in this very famous passage from Isaiah 61, we read this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Good news to the poor. The binding up of the brokenhearted. Liberty to the captives. To those that are bound, the opening up of the prison doors. The year of the Lord's favor, which was this year of jubilee, where all debts were canceled. You didn't know anything to anybody anymore. The day of vengeance, the day that justice would be done. This in the time of Israel was not a day to fear. It was a day to look forward to because all the wrongs that had been done to us would be set right. And comfort for all who mourn. Many of you will know this, but this passage formed the text for Jesus' first sermon. In Capernaum, on a Saturday morning, he went into the synagogue, and he opened up the book roll. And I don't know if it was just because that was in the lectionary for that day, or it was, I don't know how it happened, but there it was, Isaiah 61. And we read this from Luke chapter 4. And Jesus came to, sorry, it was Nazareth, not Capernaum. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The same words. Four centuries later, Israel is an occupied land. The Romans are there. It's a land of oppression. It's a land of death. 
Everyone believed that they were in exile, and they were waiting and longing for the person, the Messiah, who would come, who would restore the kingdom of David and free them from the oppressor and give them what they needed to live fruitfully and in shalom in the land of Canaan, which had been promised to them so long ago. And Jesus looks them in the eye on that Saturday morning, and he reminds them of these words. These words of comfort, these words of freedom, these words of release, these words of being unbound and free to live as God has called you to live. You know, it's really good that Jesus said those words. It's good to be reminded of ancient words that give comfort and hope. It's good to remind each other, and I suspect we do this often, especially in times of crisis, of words spoken by prophets or priests or philosophers or spiritual and community leaders that give hope and strength to endure, that give us a reason to go forward. You you remember, in the sense, not that you were there, but you remember having hear, hearing of it. Uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, during the time of the Great Depression, we have nothing to fear but fear itself to a nation in economic suffering. And many of us remember JFK's famous sentence in his inaugural address, do not ask what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Inspiring words. But Jesus went a step further. He wasn't just giving those people quotes from an ancient prophet. He wasn't saying, remember this and be encouraged and do with it what you can. He goes a step further. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is another order of meaning. <laughs> this is more than just words of encouragement. Jesus is saying that something has actually happened and that things are from now on fundamentally changed. Nothing will be the same. An event has happened. These words of comfort and of freedom and of jubilee are here today. And Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, whoever wrote these words, gives us two images of what that, what that day of, of release and of freedom and of comfort looks like. So we go back now to uh, Isaiah 61. To grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And then a little bit later, right at the end of the chapter, he repeats these images. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, 
For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. For those of you counting the alls, there's another one. Isn't that wonderful? The first image, sorry, that's for the, for the nerds among us. The first image is this image of these beautiful garments. I was at a wedding yesterday at Mendenhall. And I was there at the rehearsal on Friday night, and everybody's kind of wearing, well, they're wearing something a little fancier than dungarees and a T-shirt, but then you see them on the next night, and then everybody is really dosed out in their, in their, in their finest of everything. And actually, this picture comes from Nigeria. The lady in that picture is the daughter of a young man that we met almost 47 years ago at the first station we lived at. He was someone who became our friend, took care of our children, and he's grown up and become a father and a grandfather, and this is his daughter who last week got married. You see the beautiful headdress, the oil of gladness, the garment of praise, the robe of righteousness, the robe of justice. Don't forget this. Whenever you read the word righteousness in the Bible from now on, you should think in your mind justice, justice, justice. That's what it means. As a bridegroom decked with a beautiful headdress, as a bride adorns herself with jewels, the image of ashes or sorrow turned into feasting, a rich banquet, joy, revelry, dancing, and singing. This is the image of a community coming together and rejoicing, an image of abundance and overflowing richness of clothing, food, and drink, celebration, and community. So Isaiah is saying, and Jesus is implying, that day has come when we can dress ourselves for this great feast and for this great banquet. And the second image is one of a garden or a forest. There's also mention of oak trees here. Oaks that are planted that will grow into tall, beautiful, strong trees a seed that is sown that will sprout and grow up, that will bring justice and righteousness and praise to all the nations, an image of personal and communal restoration, turning sadness and sorrow into joy as this seed falls in the ground and dies and then sprouts up through all the obstacles and begins to bear fruit. It's an image of worldwide fruit-bearing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, justice, and shalom. And Jesus proclaims, today, this is fulfilled in your eyes. Today. Not Sometime way in the future. That's not what Jesus said. He didn't say it's going to come. It's here. As unlikely as that seems, 
You think the people back at that time believed it any more than we do. And if you think your life is scarred, <laughs> you ain't seen theirs. And Jesus said to them, and he says to us, today this is fulfilled in your eyes, especially today, as we complete almost 67 years of ministry. In the middle of whatever pain and sorrow and brokenness and disappointment we might experience, in spite of, and in the middle of, not in spite of, in the middle of, your personal brokenness, sorrow and pain, disappointment, captivity. And in the middle of the brokenness, the sorrow, the pain, the disappointment, and the captivity of the whole world. Into all of those arenas, in all those places, in all those addresses, Jesus says to us, today, this word is fulfilled in your hearing. And how is that fulfilled today? Well, it's fulfilled because, and this is one of my favorite passages that you've heard me over the years, from 2021, after the resurrection, where Jesus said to his disciples, Peace be unto you, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Jesus physically isn't here. But that doesn't mean this is not happening today, this liberation. Because you are it. He's called you and chosen you and given everything you need, partly from being in this place and in this community over all these years, to go out and put that headdress on somebody or that rope or the fine meal or the delicious rich wine or the fruit of love and joy and peace and justice and shalom. Today, this word is fulfilled in your eyes through you and through me and through all of us. Three examples of how this could work. Exactly to the year, not to the date and not even to the time of year, because I believe at that time it was spring, 20 years ago, I gave a meditation at a service much like this, a closing. This was in Amsterdam, and that's why today I have my Amsterdam map tie on. We planted a church together with a team, and in fact with us today is Miriam Phillips, who flew in this week from Amsterdam to be with us this weekend. Together we were on the team and worked like crazy to plant a church. And 20, 20 years ago this year, we clo it closed for all kinds of reasons. So this is my second rodeo. There's no doubt in my mind that that church called Cornerstone changed the history of Amsterdam, if not the Netherlands. Because from that soil that was plowed and tilled by us, 
sprouted all kinds of little churches and church plants in Amsterdam and around the country. And I don't even know how many there are. And some of them have risen and some of them have fallen and some of them are still there. There's no doubt in our minds, we talked about it this weekend, that were it not for the work that we did together as a team, there's a lot of fruit that would not have happened. That's because Jesus called us together to go and bear fruit. Because this word of liberation and shalom is today fulfilled in your hearing. I've also been experiencing this the last three months since July. Since the news came of the awful events around the former pastor of our church. And I, and we together, but especially I, as I've talked and been in the community here, have taken this posture. We are heartbroken that this evil happened in this community and to this community. And we are heartbroken that this evil resided for a time in this Trinity community. And if there is anything we can do to bring healing in any way at any level, we will do whatever that takes. And I have literally watched and heard and felt healing happen. Was it solved decades of pain and loss? No. But it's these little sprouts, these little tendrils that are growing. And you can literally see it in someone's eyes or hear it in their voice. I've had a couple people say it to me. Because today, this good news is fulfilled in our eyes, right in the middle of this tragedy. And then a very, very small thing, and it's super embarrassing. On Thursday, I was at a cardiologist's office with my parents. And they have a wonderful cardiologist. He's the sweetest guy in the world. He takes an hour with us, and he's just magnificent. I'm sure he's a good cardiologist, too, but he's just a great person. But this day, Thursday, for the first time, there was a new person there who was a um, nurse practitioner, cardiologist, nurse practitioner. I don't know exactly, but anyway, she, and, uh, she was 40 years old, and I know that because she told me. I didn't guess or ask. So she was in there first doing all the things and asking all the questions and, and, and interacting with my parents, and that all was fine. And then after about 10 minutes, the door opened and the cardiologist walked in, who's about a 50-year-old male. The auxiliary help, Hulptruppe is what I wanted to say. My tongue, the Dutch word. I couldn't come up with it. So I said, here comes the real. Oh, yeah. You, perfect. You guys are great. You get it, right? Conditioned by decades of a society that places people in layers, that has trouble recognizing what women contribute on all levels, 
and just got stuck in what I call empire. I just got stuck in it. And I said to her right away, and then I had a conversation with her afterward. I said, I am, I am so sorry. I was, I, I didn't, I, it, I'm just sorry. I'm just sorry. First thing she said to me was, thank you for recognizing it. Because I'm sure that she gets it a lot. People don't recognize it. We had a very nice conversation afterwards and, and ended up in very good terms. And I have deep, obviously deep respect from her. But in that little tiny thing that happens, you see, where, where I, by a word, bind that woman into a stereotype, and then by recognizing it and attempting to bridge the gap, this little sprout comes up. Every single level of your life, this kingdom of God, this good news is being fulfilled in your eyes. If you will say, Jesus has sent me into the world to be the kind of person that he's called me to be at every single level. So today we put on the garments of praise. We put on the robe of righteousness. We put on the beautiful headdress. We put on the sparkling jewels. We put on the oil of gladness. We go as seeds. We go as sprouts into our lives and into our world. We're being planted. We're dying to ourselves. Only to bear fruit and become the mighty oak. And as you go from this place today, I don't want you to forget these words. Today. This is fulfilled in your eyes. Today, tomorrow, and next Sunday when you don't know where to go. And two Sundays after that. And five Sundays after that when maybe you've tried a couple places and it's not working. Or wherever your bondage is. Today, this is fulfilled in your eyes. May God bless you.